Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. I'm with two rounds to go in the Six Nations. Why don't you cheer yourself up? with some free beers on us. Get yourself onto beer52.com forward slash thistle and you can get eight free beers covering all of the Six Nations countries, a free snack and a copy of Ferment Magazine, the number one craft brewery magazine in the country. Get yourself onto beer52.com forward slash thistle and all you have to do is pay for postage and packaging, £5.95 and you'll be sent eight beers direct to your door. That's beer52.com forward slash thistle. Get on it now. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. This Scottish Rugby Podcast, much like the team that has no purpose or direction. And as always, I am joined by my pals. Alan to my left, how are you, mate? Good, how are you? Very well, thank you very much. And Matt, you were in Paris at the weekend, how was it? Yeah, it was good. I think I spent about 48 hours in Paris in total, 46 of which were pretty fun. And the remainder weren't, you know, weren't the best, but no, it was good. What was the atmosphere in the stadium like? Lots of Scots about yeah, it was good. Good numbers. Um, I'd say actually the the bars on the way up were like mainly Scottish people. It's quite funny. Maybe yeah. the French people go elsewhere, but no, it was good. The the French rugby union had given um, all French supporters French flags, so there were like thirty thousand of these things waving about whenever France did something good. Trying to buy them off. Well, it it, were, it was pretty good. It's quite cool actually. So yeah, it was good. Saw so you were throwing pics of your bay up on uh, up on social media. She was like, I want to be an influencer, and I know you guys got some serious reach. <laughs> so I thought, you know, why not? She after a skinny tea deal or something like that? Well, she only got 17 likes in the end, so Aye. I don't think that's quite enough. That's not you know, the best. Fire some likes. I heard you, you bumped into old Finney Ross. Yeah, it was in, in a bar after the match watching England-Wales, mainly with Scots fans, actually, as I said. And everyone's heads sort of turned, and there were these excited whispers. And there he was. 
the man Finn, the man himself with his with his wee brother i think and a few other people recognized um and then at one point ended up just by chance at the bar with him and uh some lad who'd had a few too many beverages was trying to get a photo from him giving him a bit of jip and finn was trying to you know, calm down so yeah in a, in a minute mate I'm, I'm buying a drink non-alcoholic drink i'd add and the good guy man. goes good man yeah and the guy goes oh I think you're all that with your, your Stone Island jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he, to be fair, he actually was wearing a Stone Island jacket. <laughs> and I kind of saw that as my chance to become pals with the Russells. So went to his brother and said, don't worry, I'm not mates with these guys. What a what an arse. And that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I could see Finn out and about, though, with the with the fans yeah. mingling. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was taking photos, signing stuff. So I wonder if he's the brand ambassador Stone Island are looking for. Maybe we're looking to move away from Millwall fans. <laughs> Maybe he's the more like palatable face of Stone Island. Yeah. Uh, but as as we were saying there, we were um, helping Matt's girlfriend become an influencer on Twitter. That is at Thistle Rugby Pod. Um, we've managed to hit a perfect Venn diagram of Scottish rugby fans and still game fans over on Instagram. That's Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod. And you're going to hear an awful lot of stuff from the mailbag later on in the episode. Um, and that is the thistle rugby at gmail.com so get in there so i've come into my own when it comes to the memes yeah you know pessimism and scottish rugby based memes joined together just fa- found my niche finally joined together with sort of like mainstream comedy shows yeah basically yeah yeah fair enough that's so good, that's yeah, good. They're, they're doing very well and, and obviously if you're listening to us on apple of course you can listen to us anywhere else as well but if you are on Apple, please get on there, um, hit the subscribe button, leave us a review. How about this one um, from X Cordy Caritas, which is the school motto of Watson, so we know this is going to be from a top quality person. It says, brilliant pod, excellent work, always listen and love the quiz. So a nice little compliment for you there, Alan. The quiz isn't for him. The quiz <laughs> No Watsonians are no allowed. No Watsonians are, alli- are allowed to listen or join in with the quiz. Well, there you go. We've, <laughs> we've lost a lot of our fans there. <laughs> Not quite. Um, well, we do have a little bit of a loose agenda, despite my description at the start of the show. Little bit of news, then we're going to spend a huge amount of time breaking down the France-Scotland game with the help of some of those emails mentioned um, that have come into the mailbag um, since the game. Uh, and then we're going to have a, a quiz from Alan. Do you want, is there a preview as to what we can expect from that? Uh, drop kicks is one Ooh. Topic. I mean, seeing as we, I don't think we've had a drop kick actually scored for Scotland in about five years or something, isn't it? I mean, is long, that one of the questions time. already? No, that's me. That's the, me setting up the foundational elements of the quiz. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to pop in with sort of win rates. Very low. Good. Um, <laughs> a lot of single-digit percentages later coming up. Stick around for that. And then we're going to look back at uh, the Pro 14 games, Glasgow. And Edinburgh, and then actually look ahead to their games at the weekend because it is all go in the Guinness Pro 14. But why don't we start off after a weekend of bad news? Edinburgh Rugby saved it with some absolutely banging news today that big Bill Matter has signed another year's extension at Edinburgh. So that keeps him at the club until 2021. Um, that is a big statement of intent signing from Glasgow, uh, Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, from Glasgow, that would be even bigger news. Imagine if Glasgow had <laughs> Nixon, I'd love that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great. Um, obviously, there's a lot of chat that he might go to France, just with his form particularly. Wouldn't be surprised if after, you know, playing so well against the likes of um, Montpellier and Toulon, he just said, fine, we'll take yeah. him. Uh, that's a way of beating you. Um, 
and he's been a real find and considering sort of probably when he was first announced all of us were a bit underwhelmed by the sign didn't well, he, know much about him he hadn't really played any 15s when he signed for Edinburgh he sort of yeah. signed him straight off the back of the Olympics and the sevens performances mm. uh, so yeah it's, it's great news yeah I mean I don't, they sort of sold it as a two year extension That's a great bit of PR but it's actually a one year extension it's a one year extension but there's still two years to run <laughs> on his contract yeah no fair I mean fair play I reckon what they've done is he was probably getting getting thrown a couple of contracts and they were like, how about you stay for one extra year and we'll give you like a pay rise next year? Yeah, yeah. And that's probably, they've probably given enough there just to get him to stay for that one extra year. Yeah, and then obviously if somebody does now want to come and buy him out of said contract, they're going to have to pay Edinburgh a hell of a lot more money. Yeah, because I guess I'm trying to think who, who would replace him at eight. Because obviously Bradbury and Ali Miller have both played eight for the under-20s, but just... <laughs> don't really see them sort of stepping no. up and owning that sort of number eight position. I think as well, Bradbury's sort of increasingly becoming a six. Yeah. And I think Miller's played most of his games for Edinburgh at seven yeah, or six, has. actually. So yeah. maybe replace but him with someone else. I guess that's just because A, matters so well, good. And B, true. doesn't seem to ever get injured. He plays all He plays all the time. He plays literally all he the time. Played even against the Kings away. You think he'd get a rest. Because I thought they probably would long-term look at having that. Well, they may, maybe not long-term, but what's in Richie Bradbury? Yeah, and then you've kind of got Barkley, sort of the old timer, still just hanging around teaching the young guns. Yeah, absolutely. So delighted to see Big Bill, uh, Big Bill, commit to Edinburgh for the next couple of years. A couple of his um, Fijian brothers have been linked with Glasgow. Now I'm going to get these names extremely wrong. Sevens captain Keloni Nasoko and player Mesalami Kunavula have been linked with um, Glasgow. I think it was through Rugby Pass or one of the uh, um, rugby outlets from the Southern Hemisphere have said they may maybe been linked to a sort of one-month trial at Glasgow to see how they get on. Matt, you know a little bit more? Um, not much beyond that, to be honest. It's not really been reported elsewhere and not been picked up even on Twitter that much. So I don't know how much truth is actually in it. Um, you know, I've just Googled their names and they look like typical Fijian Sevens players. They're both absolutely massive and both incredible at offloading. They both, I mean, they could be the next Bill Mata or Nakarawa. You never know. Worth um, a punt and we'll yeah, see. you know, hopefully get, get a few games and see what they're like. Well, we'll see what happens there. And speaking of Southern Hemisphere-based potential Scots, um, Hurricanes scrum half Finley Christie gave an interview over the weekend in which he sort of made his first comments which referenced directly Scotland, but he sort of said, you know, I'm keeping my international options open between New Zealand and Scotland, which can be read either way, but he's definitely showing a little bit of leg to the SRU there, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, it's set up relatively perfectly for him to join Edinburgh next year, I would imagine. Mm. Kind of have Pergos as that sort of steady hand, and then someone like Finley Christie, what, coming in 23-24 to be sort of that more kind of... He's, I'm trying to think what sort of player player he's like. Well, the thing is, he's not actually... Maybe until this this year, having moved to the Hurricanes, because he was at the Highlanders before. Yeah. Not actually played... Chiefs, uh, Chiefs sorry. Yeah. yeah. He's not actually played that much rugby. No. So it's it's quite hard to... Play a lot of gauge. Yeah, yeah. I think he's... I don't know who I'd compare him to, but... It's kind of a mix of quite a few scrum halves. We've got, like... I was going to say a mix of, like, Pergos yeah, and Yeah, you know, he's got the sort of kick spot, kick box game 
and he's sort of maybe like a bit slower than Ali Price, but it's quite nippy. You say he's got the kickbox game. Um, yeah, <laughs> kickboxing game. He's really good at hitting people. <laughs> uh, the box kick game of someone like Pearl. And you know, like, he's a Kiwi playing super rugby. He, he's got a good rugby brain. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't personally think he's that good. No. And I wouldn't want to see him brought over if he's going to cost them quite a lot of money, but I, I don't know if he will. I can't imagine he's going to cost that much more. And then the rumour is that Sean Stevenson which I'd actually heard previously that he had Scottish lineage, right. sort of fullback for the Chiefs. And I think, as we said, he is a step above Finlay Christie in terms of, I think he would be drafted straight into the Scotland squad. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. he, this guy been starting at fullback or wing for um, for the Chiefs the past year and a half, two years. Yeah. And always looks like a really exciting player. Um, and, yeah, I think he'd be like, a kind of back up to Hogg almost, yeah. you know. Um, so he'd definitely be in the equation. So, but I think he he has a better chance of playing for the All Blacks than Finley Christie. Yes, and I think that's a genuine chance. So, yes. he's got to wait and see, I suppose. So, plenty of Scots abroad to keep an eye on. Um, final bit of news. I mean, I'm putting news pretty broadly here. The SRU announced to great fanfare <laughs> as breaking news that they have a new website. So. I just, lo- I just I just love that they use the phrase breaking. Breaking news. Yeah. With improved menu structure, navigation, and mobile suitability. Ooh. <laughs> Makes it ideal for fans on the go. I'm <laughs> at, yeah. It was, the, it was the menus that got me. Yeah, I know. You, had, you well, had me at menus. That menu structure previously was an absolute nightmare. I um, mean, I, I did have a flick through it. It does seem that they've, they've sort of moved on because they've clearly been, the SOU, creating lots of their own sort of like content, notwithstanding their below par podcast you know they've obviously yeah. invested an awful lot in their video production and things like that so i suppose this is a bit of a they're trying to make it a bit of a hub but i loved like much like any sru announcement there was just it went straight into the weeds and there was loads of people who were obviously like looking for their their club playing in like the highland league and stuff like that and just being like the results are wrong the fixtures are in the wrong order <laughs> they were just like picking up like the smallest little niche thing that they possibly could that was wrong with it i guess the thing is if you work in like at least if you're working like the glasgow the edinburgh media team like you've got kind of like weekly stuff coming through if you're in the scotland team literally got like 10 weeks a year where there's really stuff to do and the rest of the time you're probably just like how do i optimize this website yeah or just i'll be doing content with other um like sponsors and stuff like that that's fair you would think but there you go. So get yourself on there. You know, check out the menu structure. It is awesome. <laughs> Tell us how mobile optimized it is. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, enough. it's enough about the website. <laughs> Surely enough about the website. Um, shall we? We've tried to skirt around the issue as much as we possibly can. I think we might need to talk about Scotland France now. Um, Scotland going down somewhat, you know, without much of a fight. 27 10 in. Paris um, with Ali Price with a bit of a consolation tr- uh, prize um, after tries from Intanak, Huger and Aldrit and I think they had four chalked off? Yeah, four. four all, chalked all correctly off. chalked off. All correctly but... chalked off but gives you an impression <laughs> of how much under the cosh um, Scotland were. Matt, why don't you start us off? You were in the stadium. What what was the sort of the atmosphere and the feeling as you were watching it? It, it just seemed as if... Um, the the game plan wasn't quite there, it you know, and I think it's rare to to see that under Townsend, who seems you know a bit of a you know master tactician and um, yeah, you know always has a, a game plan. Um, 
I think a lot of it, unfortunately, stemmed from the halfbacks. Uh, Laidlaw's the ball was really slow. I don't know if that's his fault or, or the forwards. Probably a bit of a mix of both. Pete Horn just isn't a 10. I mean, I think that's not a massive surprise. Um, I, I think he's a 10 that can fill in in non-international yeah, weeks he's against not an the Dragons team. as he did yeah. against Cardiff, so yeah. as he did last weekend. Yeah. So I think there's sort of the, there's the lack of direction, and then I think the but I think the other thing was just the lack of sort of energy and intensity, and I think you know France have got two scrum two um, halfbacks effectively making their debut on like the biggest stage. Yeah. And not once did they look under pressure. Yeah, like you not once thought... did Jamie Ritchie get in Intermac's face. Um, did Laidlaw, you know, sort sort of try and pressure Dupont with the back of the scrum. So it just kind of felt like they let France impose themselves and couldn't do that themselves. It just felt that we did the one thing that you would think would be the basic thing to do. French team getting absolutely pelters at home. The uproar within the camp and amongst their fans. They're at home. Get in their faces. Try and yep. get on top of them in the first five minutes and knock a bit of stuffing out of them. And it just seemed that we really just couldn't. We were really slow out the blocks. And then once they were scoring tries, mm. we were... We never seem to fire any shots. Yeah, I think when we go back to that Laidlaw horn point, do you, do you think it was that they just weren't able to play that game or was that fr France <clears throat> were slowing the ball down at the breakdown? Because I do think France, potentially illegally, yeah. were doing a lot to slow it down. I don't think Laidlaw helped the match. No, no, I, th I think you're right. I think it, it was frustrating. You could see a lot of instances when... They were slowing the ball down and getting penalties that they were just slightly coming off their feet. So yeah. kind of getting in that position and yeah. using their hands to support their um their their body their body weight. Um and then but then I just kind of felt like perhaps the communication between Laidlaw and Horn wasn't that great. So yeah. when Horn did want the ball, Laidlaw was maybe trying to keep it in a bit closer and just that sort of communication didn't yeah. didn't work. And then you know, he had Pete Horn probably, he plays quite deep as a 10 anyway. But when you've got slow ball, yeah. you know, he's trying to give runners like Gilchrist and, and Bradbury and Richie a shot and they were just getting hit at the game line, if not behind. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think on the on the Laidlaw versus breakdown point, I do think we did not assert ourselves at the breakdown at any point. So therefore, you cannot expect Laidlaw or any scrum half to be able to inject pace. Mm. And I just think that is exacerbated by what you just said, Matt, about Horn maybe not step taking those couple of extra steps forward to sort of flatten up that gain line to give people more yeah. of a chance. It just felt that we were never making sort of never making yards in the in the tight. And you know, Laidlaw it's... is naturally in those situations he's gonna think, right, we're on the back foot. Yeah. We've got to do something slow. You just kinda of think, you know, throughout the team obviously it's lacking experience, but you know, having Horn Johnson on his third cap. Yeah. Griggs yeah. had less than 10. Yeah. Seymour and Maitland, senior players, were probably not really talkers. No. And then Kinghorn at the back, you know, doing his best. That, I don't know, Pete Horn looks to his outside and kind of thinks, you know, yeah. what, what do I do? What? I need to take a step back, take some pressure off. I think he was playing 12. Or I need to kick it. It looked a lot at the time that Pete Horn was playing 12. Yeah. But from standing at 10. How do you mean? Well, he just... He wasn't sort of bossing the game, and it looked when he got the ball in his hands, he was instead of looking to distribute that he might do. He always seemed to be taking it almost into contact, looking to make a break himself, which I just didn't yeah, think was I, right. I suppose that's. I think it comes back to the point of like who he had outside him, yeah, and he, he wanting to take responsibility. 
Well, I think if you looked at that back line and you didn't know kind of the age or experience of the players, I think you would have picked Kinghorn. Yeah, yeah. As a player, who, who apart from sort of, he obviously made a mistake at the beginning where he sort of dropped the ball and the 22 had fumbled it. But he did, he did take it by like the scruff of the neck. He was yeah. being direct. He was, he was, he, when he had the ball, he was being really confrontational and making good decisions. And also his, um, he should, if he's playing, he should kick his touch. Yeah, yeah, his kicks touch were unbelievable. Yeah. Some of them, we got a great view of. You know, when we got the penalty and kicked it down to the five and had that chance at the end of the first half that we then butchered. missed the line out. Yeah, yeah, his kick into that corner yeah. was un- unbelievable, absolutely pinpoint. I guess we talk about sort of Tunis' game plan. I think you know it's still on record that they want to be the fastest team in the world. Yeah, and um, let me go on that exact point. Let me go into the mailbag now. One of the main criticisms about this podcast is that, you know, we're a little bit, you know, we're from private schools. We're sort of the old school Scottish rugby where um, nepotism gets you so far. But here's an email from my dad in which he says, <laughs> is the current high tempo dynamic approach under Townsend actually because the standard actually not working because of the standard of the current players? If Hearts wanted to play like Barcelona, they would not attempt it with the players they have. Perhaps the Scottish team also have this issue. There you go, from John Leslie. John Leslie. John Leslie, Scottish centre or Wheel of Fortune stroke sex pest. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to mention the third one. Yeah, but... the third one, exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> what you, do you think? I dad pretty... went out with Abby Titmiss. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Although, one very personal side note is our, when all that was happening, our house phone did used to get called quite a lot. from By like, the press. Yeah, like hacks looking for John Leslie. <laughs> I imagine there's a, there is a finite number of people in the yellow pages. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, Dad, for um, that email. I particularly enjoyed the Hearts and Barcelona reference. Yeah. Do you think? Um, do you think Scotland are good enough to play as the fastest rugby team in the world? Not the players that were on the pitch uh, on Saturday. Yeah. I think. I think Russell. With with Jones and Hogg, because all especially Hogg and Russell have just got such unbelievable distribution game, mm. and that when Hogg comes in at second receiver, you can literally get two miss passes and you're gone from one side of the pitch to the yeah. other. Yeah, and I think that really does allow you to play that style of the game. And I think going to the back row, whilst I've never been the biggest fan of Wilson, and obviously Barkley's out, I think those two players, their speed across mm. the pitch yeah. and to the breakdown makes a massive difference yeah that's a good point yeah and I think especially on Saturday you know Bradbury obviously he's a good player but he was a little he was off the pace yeah Str- oh, definitely Strauss yeah. you know does what he does but he ain't bust- no. he, he's probably running a couple of Ks less than your sort of Ryan Wilson yes yeah. yeah so I think I still think that with no injuries there is a team there to play that game <clears throat> I just think at the moment we just do not have the personnel to do it well, I think it's interesting on the personnel because, you know, it seems in the past that there's not been a willingness to adapt to how the game's going. So if that sort of high tempo isn't working, then yeah. you just, you know, just keep keep going. Um, but then, you know, the selection of someone like Pete Horn at 10 at the weekend maybe indicated a slightly more conservative kicking-led game plan versus yeah. playing Hastings. So I just felt like Townsend was sort of caught between two stools in his selection. And obviously, it's, it's easy to say with hindsight, 
because uh, Hastings played quite well when he came on, but it's against a tiring defence. But if he's going to stick to his guns, then you play Hastings 10 times out of 10. Well, we were saying, if, you, if he wants to stick to his guns, then you start Price or Horn ahead of Laidlaw. Well, that's the other point, yeah. And I know we sort of said that I think Townsend's got some PTSD from Cardiff <laughs> last year. Because clearly at the start of the Six Nations last year, you know, I think that was kind of when he said those comments. Yeah. And he sort of stuck to his guns and he was like, look, I'm starting Price in this big game because I yeah. want to play this fast game. We got absolutely dicked. Started Chris Harris at 13, winger stroke centre. Yeah. And I, I, I almost feel like that took, so, <laughs> took such a blow from that that now it's just like, it's gospel lead loss. You starts. have to play lead loss. I think it's also, if you look back at the games last year, like the France game at Murrayfield last season, like that turned on when Laidlaw started, um, he was kicking goals in the second he, half yeah. and then he ultimately moved to 10. Yeah, and it was that very much like sort of little general performance from his scrum half. I think that's yeah, that's yeah. maybe the counterpoint to to Cardiff when he's just like actually you know that's that is our plan B. And he's he's still you know started in the victory against England. Yeah, exactly that that year. Or so yes, I think um, one of the interesting things I looked at was the the back rows. Obviously, we chatted about Strauss and Bradbury being massive ball carriers. Mm. Is it Strauss, Bradbury, and Ritchie had 36 carries and had a total of 33 meters? Yeah. Whilst the French back row had 21 and had 75 meters. Well, yeah, I suppose that if you're getting the ball from a standoff that's lying deep and you're behind the gain line, that's slow ball. It just felt like that a lot of the time. Yeah. Or off laid low in time. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes that's fine that you just have to consolidate and set up the platform and get around the corner, but Scotland just couldn't quite do that. And, it was just the amount of mistakes, Huge which is surprising considering, you know, they're not, they weren't able to play that really high tempo game. So it's not as if that's the thing causing mistakes. It was just some really quite basic errors that just, it seemed as if they're mentally pretty fragile. But I think even if they hadn't made any errors, they were still going to lose that game. Yeah, possibly. But if you don't make the errors, then you can like, you know, they were 10-3 at that point where they kicked into the into the French into the French five. Yeah. And like, you know, they wouldn't have deserved to be there, but it would have showed a lot of character and the fact they yeah. were still in it. And I think that at that point, France get a bit worried and you say, okay, we're not playing well, but if we keep the ball, we can maybe get some penalties out of these guys. Because they're yeah. fairly undisciplined. We also didn't capitalize on them going down to 14 men. Yeah. You know, like that could have been a huge moment of sort of momentum swing. Because at that stage, we weren't hugely far away. I don't. I don't remember what score we were when they went it was down. 10-3. To, I think it was, it yeah, was ten, it was 10 three. three at that time. Yeah. I mean, you're quite right. Then in that case, if they'd gone, if they'd capitalised on that, it's huge moments. Then France start getting jittery because they should have been thirty points up at half time. Mm -hmm. We were really lucky to not be twenty five yeah. points down yeah. within like the first twenty minutes. So yeah, those little moments. But you mentioned Matt mental fragility, and we were talking about this off pod. And also, we've already talked about Cardiff and shockers like that. But this Scotland team has a huge issue with, and Scotland teams in general has a real issue with going away from home. Hmm. I, I can't remember, and we were trying to remember, the last good away performance. Well, so the one that got us a win would be Cardiff 2010. In the Six it? Nations. In the Six Nations, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I obviously, Australia two years ago, that yeah. was a great we, away no, against, performance. Against Ireland in, in Dublin, you mean? Ireland and Dublin in yeah. 2010. But we lost to that. We lost Lo that Cardiff, that Wales match. Yeah, but the first half. Yeah, yeah. We Very managed to put something together and went and we started really fast. 
those are the two that sort of stick out of actual moments we've gone away and set the tone in an away match the yeah. rest I can't even remember us really firing a shot four years ago at Twickenham we were winning at halftime was that when Bennett scored in the corner I think so yeah, yeah. but yes it's few and far between and mm. I think we've been in like been in them in patches like, even France the last two years ago and four years ago mm. that's yeah. true we're sort of a, it, we're in the mix at halftime yeah. Ireland yeah. last year but absolutely never been able to sort of really push on and I'd be surprised if we were winning at halftime in any apart from in, that England game mm. four years ago in any other games no and I think it was the, I was listening to it somewhere today that you know, every team that wins the second half in the Six Nations wins their matches oh really yeah I think it was I think it was the BBC Rugby Union Weekly and you kind of think when has that ever happened they always fall away the only time I can remember it happening was when we beat Wales at home two years ago and we were very yeah, close exactly. at half time and I remember I was watching it with some friends and I said Scotland don't score points in the second half we're yeah. fucked yeah. and then obviously we went against my prediction mm. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. But I, th- I think, you know, the, the point definitely stands about the away stuff i think if you know we haven't really talked about the injuries yet but if we had you know those four or five important players yeah against french team that you know are in disarray then i think we would have had a far better chance to to break that yeah so i think it's you know you do have to take that into account what it see with wilson sort of like you only miss what you don't have kind of like would you would you be him and watson together I think could have had a, made a massive difference in that game. Just that experience in the yeah. back row. Yeah, I think And you so. were talking about getting an Intermax face and just how we had no one that was kind of yeah. in Dupont yeah. and Intermax. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's why I actually was quite impressed by Guy Graham when he came on. He just seemed super aggressive. He was the only one willing to properly get stuck in and not really sort of take a backward step. Yeah, I was really impressed with him. He was absolutely battering people, wasn't he? Mm. Him Getting a few scraps as well. Just the kind of thing we needed, a bit of edge. I actually thought the, the bench when they came on, when Tooney was sort of like, all right, well, this can't get any worse. I'm going to make six changes at once. It was when Price, Hastings, Darcy Graham, I thought, looked very good as well. Fraser Brown. Fraser Brown. I thought those people made... Fager- not- I thought Fagerson was okay when he came on. He's not quite there yet, I don't think. But he, he, he I mean, he carried the same meters as Bergen. 
for the whole, for the whole time the program is on. So yeah. yeah, maybe it just kind of shows. Once again, subs coming on and I think you know, Dell had quite but, a good game in the list. Yeah, I thought Dell was a standout forward. Yeah, Missed, he made a lot of tackles again. It's very mobile, and he ripped he ripped at least one ball in contact. That sort of stand up, just yeah. his huge upper body strength, just like ripping ball yeah, straight he, out of someone's did arms. Maybe struggle a bit in the scrum against um, Demba, Demba Bamba. Bar. Bamba, sorry. Demba Ba. Not Ba, the Newcastle striker. <laughs> what, a, what a transition. Demba Ba was so good. He was good Newcastle. Anyway. Um, Do you think it was interesting? I think Gray was chucked at 55 minutes for Tulis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought... I thought he was anonymous. He just... I think it's a kind of common theme with him now in the big games that where he, you know, Scotland under a bit of pressure that he just, he failed, he struggles to really impose himself on a game i just think in a game like that when like what is lacking from scotland is like some abrasive carries or you know some really big gain line victories or like a super dominant tackle to sort of like change the edge yeah that's not what johnny gray does it's maybe unfair to well it's not unfair to expect those things of him like you know he's almost had 50 caps now he's he's a senior player i think even though he's only 24 25 but yeah, you know, if he wants to take that next step, yeah, you know, a few years ago he was talked about as being a potential Lions lock, and you wouldn't put him in the conversation now. No. Do you want to talk about centres? Nick Grigg had a fairly difficult day at the office. Was it? I think split out defence and attack. I thought he was actually relatively strong in defence, especially against Bastro. He's he is mm. very good at that chop tackle. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of great examples of that when he was right in at the bootlaces. Mm. But in attack, both in terms of looking after the ball in contact, there was minimum three times he either mm. knocked on or got stripped. And also just generally, he just wasn't able to sort of really give much cutting edge to that back line. But again, I think a lot of it was just a symptom of what was happening inside him. Yeah, You can't expect 13s yeah. to have great games off the back foot. Exactly. He's had a real mixed bag in his Scotland starts. Fiji was his debut in Suva. Lost. When we lost. Then the big win in Argentina. Yeah. In yeah. the summer. Mm -hmm. And then France. So you could probably say that this is his first proper Scotland yeah. test match. Although start. I even think in some of the big matches for Glasgow against better defences, he struggles. Scarlet. Scarlet's last year. Last year yeah. yeah. And I, I just think that sometimes the attack stops when it gets to him as well because I wouldn't say he's the best distributor. You know, he's a good, he can be a good runner of the ball, but. Yes. I just felt that. You know, people are getting lateral passes, but not really getting anywhere in the back line. Agreed. Just going back to comments about Johnny Gray, that's got to be the same for Seymour, but maybe more. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I can't even remember the last time. I appreciate he got three tries against Fiji in the autumn, but they weren't exactly like, you know, 50-meter tries. Mm, mm. I honestly think there is a question around whether Darcy Graham starts. I think he's shown enough this year and in the brief time he's had playing for Scotland to show that he's not out of his depth at this level. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I think I would have sort of defended Seymour at the start of the season, even though he, you know, coming off, yeah. um, you know, not a great season after the Lions tour, but saying he had the class and the experience and credit in the bank, but he's just not been performing. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, no, I would be surprised if it happened. Yes. But I wouldn't mind seeing Darcy Graham given a wee shot. Well, let's go back into the mailbag as well. And I don't know, there's, there's been an awful lot of sound and fury after this match, as it tends to be after a big Scotland win or a big Scotland loss. How about this email from Hamish Scrag? 
Um, at what point do we consider if Tooney is not the man for the job? Sure, people will point to injuries, but even with Russell, Hogg, Jones and Barkley, we play terribly as often as it clicks and we play well. The tactics of high-risk, perfect, ambitious rugby is beyond the skill of the current players and there's a soft underbelly that leaks tries. We are not progressing in our game plan from when Tooney take over. There is no noticeable improvements. Pretty damning indictment of um, the man in charge. Why don't we take that? Are we in a better place as a nation than we were under Vern Cotter? Alan, you're a negative person. Why don't you start? Well, we, we absolutely are in terms of both pro teams. I think if you look back to two years ago, it was 2017, I'd say both pro, Glasgow probably were the same. Yeah. I don't think they moved very much. Edinburgh far and above what they were. And I think in terms of the depth of Scottish rugby across most positions, apart from probably centre and number eight and probably prop, mm. the majority of positions have increased their depth. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, even looking at last year, you look at some of the benches we're putting out last year, absolute heinous. Yeah. Like, genuinely, like, the benches last year and two years ago compared to what we have now, and even with the injuries, the, the benches we've got are much stronger. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I you think... say that. Our replacements against France last year included Scott Lawson um, and John Welsh. Well... <laughs> So, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's pretty hard to say that we haven't improved, at least in that microcosm of an example. Exactly. Um, I do think the Tooney game plan... Yeah, that's more is of a the little substance. Bit, ...is a little bit floundering. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way he's described it there as everything has to go perfectly right isn't really what they're expecting. They're just yeah. trying to... Because that doesn't... No one, when you put it that way, like, no one can do that apart from maybe the All Blacks, I think it's just trying to play as much as possible with a high tempo. That's what yeah. Townsend said. I mean, I think the, the main issue with that, as we talked about already, is just the ability to adapt. Um, the only thing is, I, I just felt, as I said, that at the weekend, it was the first time under Townsend where it looked as if the players didn't have any clue what was going on. And I thought that Townsend's reaction afterwards was kind of similar to Wales. I think he was pretty shocked, actually, by what had happened, yeah. and he was really, really disappointed. And he just seemed a bit lost. But I'm not saying after that that we should be sacking him. Although, it seems as if Warren Gatland is available in the near future. <laughs> Generally, if he was available, we should get him. Gatland? Yes. Ooh! I mean, I'd obviously... Why, why wouldn't you get him? Like, he is, like, the best Six Nations... He's the best Six Nations coach ever. Yeah, I mean, certainly on record, absolutely. Yeah. Easily. By miles. He can make any team good. He did take that terrible Wales team and deliver a Grand Slam in their, his first year. He changed, their winning, he changed their Six Nations winning record from like 42% to 62 Can you imagine if we just like casually won slams and... I don't think we'll ever casually win a slam, Matt. I, I, gen I genuinely think that if he's an option, he says, I wouldn't mind the Scotland job. He likes Stuart Hogg. You get rid of Dodson... You know, you cut, you, you get rid of a pro team. He's <laughs> <laughs> paying five mil a year. I suppose the problem is that New Zealand probably want him as well, and England. Oh, I don't think New Zealand do want him. England definitely want him. Yeah, I think he'll go to England. It's extremely hypothetical. I don't think we should sack Gregor Townsend. It's also like very different coaches in terms of style. Yeah. Yeah, but the good thing that Gatland 
doesn't care about the style really. He's like, I'll adapt my players to, I'll adapt my style to my players. Yeah, that's what he's so good at. No, I mean that's fair. I mean, is it? I kind of thought originally that you know, Dave, you would probably have Dave Rennie in at Glasgow, and then he would ultimately maybe go up to be the Scotland coach. But you probably more likely have Cockrell making that move in sort of a couple of years' time. Yeah, but Gatlin's better than both of them. That is fair. I just don't think... I, I think Gatlin thinks he's too good for Scotland. This is such a rash new campaign that we're going to Yeah, watch. I know. <laughs> I'm being a bit of a troll, but if it happened, I would be Well, no, I mean, happy. like, if somebody told me, if I woke up in a year's time and someone said, Warren Gatlin, the Scotland coach, I would think I'd be quite happy with that. To take us into the next World Cup. Of course I, you would. I, I would still argue that Townsend is better for this type of player that we have. Yeah. I'm not advocating the sacking of Townsend at all. I think Why I need do you that hate on Tunic? record. I don't hate Tunic. I just think if you want to generally be the best, then <laughs> you hire the best coach. There we go. And I'm being extremely hypothetical. On that note, quiz? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, 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 you know, come on, let's move on to some positive stuff. Let's talk about how many drop goals Scotland have had in the last <laughs> 20 years. Okay. I want you to alter, alternate who has scored a drop goal for Scotland from January the 1st, 2000 to 26th of February, 2019. We can alternate. Okay. There is eight. There's eight. Eight. Eight people have scored a drop goal. Okay. I'll start. Because Dave, you I, can start. Duncan... The Pudding Weir. Duncan Pudding Weir with one. With one against Italy to make sure we didn't get the wooden spoon. Absolutely delightful. I'm going to go with... Matt, put your phone away. I'm writing them down. Are oh, you? Yeah. yeah, look, see? Oh, it's too quick for you, you didn't see them. Um, Dan Parks. Dan Parks, great. Absolutely way out in front with 17. 17 drop goals? Yeah. For Scotland? Yeah. Because 17. That is what... Wow. My stats say. 17 drop goals for Scotland. Yeah. Fair play to him. Um, Phil Godman. <laughs> is uh, uh, Ooh. not on the list. I didn't have... Um, okay. I don't know why I had that in my head that in one of our chats with him, Phil had said he uh, dropped a goal. Rui Jackson. Correct. Two for Scotland. Dave, you're up. Nah, I know you're in trouble there. Chris Patterson. Chris Patterson is correct. Three drop kicks. There's four left, and they've all had one. All had in, one. in the 21st century. I'm going to say Duncan Hodge. Duncan Hodge has had one drop kick in the 21st century. That's lovely. Um, Gordon Ross has had one oh, drop that's kick. That's oh. huge. That's huge. Nice, mate. Absolutely delighted. Two with that. left. I'm going to go rogue and say Tom Heathcote. Is incorrect. Ah, Tommy. You got one, 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 one chance each. I'm going to say Stuart Hogg, but that was for Glasgow. Stuart Hogg is incorrect. Mike Blair is also incorrect. Yeah. So one of them is... Wait, wait, wait. Don't tell. Oh. Give, us, give us some clues and we'll try and get them. Plays numerous positions for Scotland. Brendan Laney. No. Went to the 03 World Cup. Played 10 at the 03 World Cup. Uh, Townsend. Gregor Townsend, the man yeah. we've literally just been talking about <laughs> for the last like five minutes. Well, I think we should sack him now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is our one. And your other one is an outside centre from the sort of zeros to tens era. Marcus Dorolo. I was going to say that actually. correct. <laughs> nice, oh. Who did Marcus Dorolo score again? Score a drop goal against? I have absolutely no idea. But I <laughs> Good. could try and find out Good. with you at uh, some point. 
Yeah. Um, all right. So I've had a look at win and loss percentages. So in the 21st century, of players with over 25 caps, what do you think the highest win percentage is? For Scotland. For Scotland. I say 45. 45%. Yeah. Right, so I've got to go one over or one under that. 46%. <laughs> Boom. 62.96%. For people with over 25 caps? For people with over 25 caps. Who's that? He's a prop. Oh, it was, it was one player? One player, yes. Oh, sorry, I wasn't listening. Sorry, the player with the highest win percentage. Is a prop. Is a prop. Nell. Nell is correct. There we go. So he's won 62% of his matches for Scotland. 62.96% of his matches Why is he injured all the time? <laughs> I'm going to give you... That wow, so that's nice. an amazing stat. I'm going to give you Was the... that the amazing stat you were going to break? No, the... no. Oh, that's, wow, that's, that's not even one. come yet. So I'll give you the top five. WP Nell on 62.96%. Uh, Stuart McAnally, 60. Mm. Finn Russell, 59.5. Mm-hmm. Any of these pre- positive percentages, I just wouldn't have expected. No. <laughs> Grant Gilchrist, 51, 58.1. And your fifth man is Ryan Wilson on 55.8. Wow. There was literally nobody from like pre-2010. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Your bottom percentage oh, God. of players over 25 caps in the 21st century. Dave, what do you think? Um, I reckon there's some players that maybe played like so four seasons, and we're maybe picking up two or three Six Nation wins across four years. You got to your summer and autumn as well. Yeah, summer and autumn tours. Twenty-three percent. What are you going to go for? Twenty. Twenty. The bottom is twenty-nine point three six percent. So I win again. Sorry about that, Matt. For a second row. Big Jim? I was going to say Jim Hamilton, actually. Jim Hamilton has the lowest percentage win <laughs> of any player in the 21st century with over 25 caps. Oh, God. I wonder if he knows that. Not only in Scotland, but of all the home nations. Of all. <laughs> so, Jim Ham- so Jim Hamilton actually has the lowest win percentage. Of any player in, in the, the 21st nations. century with over 25 caps. There is one Welsh player that's got 20, low 20s that's got a lower but if you look, players of over, over 25, 25 caps. caps. Who's the worst player? It's G. Thomas, but not Gareth Thomas. Right. Another G. Thomas. We, we've got to tweet Jim Hamilton. <laughs> that's that. He's absolutely gutted about that, surely. Yeah. I think yeah. he's, of all players over 25 caps, he's the only one under 30%. Gavin Kerr came second with 30%, and then oh Ali God. Hogg on 31.25, and then Andy Henderson on 32. Oh, wow. Grim. Grim Mate, times. Absolutely grim reading. That's um, great. Dave. Time. Mate. Take the win, son. I'm really happy to take the win. Obviously, just guessing 1% more than that (laughs) (laughs) was quite good, but very happy with that. Yeah, I think that's my first of the year. Yeah, well done, mate. Very, very good. Um, Thank you, Anne. Lovely, as always. I I think you were in a better mood after that review saying that that person loved the quiz. I know. You always deliver. You always find a niche way of asking questions. I thought there would be a ceiling of sort of interesting stats about Scottish (laughs) rugby. I know. It's it's getting tougher, but... I increasingly have more downtime at work, so, That's know, <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> um, Maybe okay. trying to get rid of me. Okay. <laughs> well, from that quiz from Alan, why don't we move on to Pro 14 Rugby and start with some positive news. Glasgow 43, Connor 17, 
tries for George Horn, Tim Swinson, Grant Stewart, and Robbie Nairn with a brace. And five points for Glasgow. Man of the match for unbeaten Brandon Thompson. And Glasgow are now pretty much set in um, second place in their conference. Job done. Love it. Well, they, I mean, they want to try and get first, obviously. Mm. Yeah. And the one one point behind Monster. Yeah. No. But they're now essentially, they're in that top two. There's no such yeah. a gap because Connacht were in third, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, good. I mean, look, a shit ton of players out mm. there. And there's like quite, I mean, just people like Kyle State. Like, look at that back line. George Horn, Brandon Thompson, McDowell, Paddy Kelly, Matawalu, Kyle Stain, and Rui Jackson. Yeah. Like a lot of Fair like place third choice. Yeah. In about five like, years' time, that'll be in a quiz. You'll be like, who started in the back line? And we'll be like, I don't know who any of those people are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, but yeah, like Horn and Brandon Thompson just seem to be able to manage that level of game yeah. pretty well. Yeah. And it kind of. Brandon does what he wants. And it feels like, <laughs> you know, again, and not a lot of them really feel like they have like the class to be internationals. But people like Swinson, Cummings, Harley, Fizarro, and Ash, and and Rue Jackson back at it yeah. as well. Like they can, you know, you're like, like okay, yeah, you're, and, you're like a young guy, and you're looking around, and you're like, yeah, I reckon we can win this game. We got yeah. The, yeah. these guys; they give you the confidence. A guy like Stafford McDowell, who's coming through, finding his stride at professional rugby, he's looking at these op- as opportunities mm. to get minutes and to impress. I think the pleasing thing. Glasgow this season is when they brought in guys like Stafford McDowell, Paddy Kelly, Kyle Stain. You know they've all done pretty well. Like they've all taken their chances. Kyle Stain's only had a couple of games and he's looked. Yeah, I mean he set, he set up that try for Horn. He's looked really. He's a big you know, like a South African winger. Yeah, just like really abrasive player. So and and you know obviously Connaught don't lose that many players. Third in the league, you would have expected it to be a bit closer. George Horn putting in an impressive performance. I think we put something on our Twitter. They, he scored a try after like 45 yeah. seconds. Yeah, it was mad. And it was just one of his like ridiculous sort of positive support lines where he was at one stage about 15 metres offside hoping that somebody was going to make a break. And ultimately they did, and he's there for the two-on-one. I remember at school, we um, in PE, we did a project all about the scrum half clearing pass. So oh, you really? had to like, yeah, for like a a term literally not you had to like dissect the perfect technique and i remember the finishing bit that you got judged on was was following your pass he doesn't do that he, he just you know the pass off. obviously goes backwards and he isn't going backwards at any single point he's running you know he's corner flying as they say it's quite yes yeah, it's, it's impressive it was very 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 impressive um less impressive edinburgh squandering a 14-0 halftime lead against cardiff blues at home to go down um, 19 points to 17. Um, and they've ended up, they're now fourth in um, in their conference and heading down to Treviso this weekend, who are in third. Um, so really, second. oh, they're in second. I think they were in second, aren't they? Who's third down then? Uh, Ulster. Um, Ulster. Ulster, yeah. But Edinburgh sort of really boxed themselves into a corner unnecessarily. And I wonder if th- this will be a game at the end of the season that they'll come back and really, uh, really regret. Well, I think that and the and the Kings match. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the Kings match, a lot of stuff went on. It was, you know, it was a bit all over the shop, but Edinburgh still were in a position to win it. And it was the same with this Cardiff match, being 17-0 up and then managing to throw it away. 17-0 up at 54 minutes, 53 yeah. minutes. Yeah. It and just, you know, speaks to a bit of mental fragility. There's also something quite brutal about Jason Harris scoring two tries for Cardiff. 
Oh, in that match? After we sacked him off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brutal. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if it's just sort of a bit of a lack of, real lack of leaders in that mm. team. Like, I mean, obviously you've got people like Bill Matter and Schumann who are these class players, but, you know, in that pack, it's just young. Yeah. And it was the same. It was the same against the Kings. Like, yeah. it's just sort of, although you had Pergos playing, sort of, it just the complete lack yeah. of direction, and and the young guys looked very lost and making yeah. basic mistakes as a result. Because um, I, I just don't think they were in that the the right mindset for that sort of match. And obviously, Cardiff's Cardiff's a step up. So you need to yeah to improve, and obviously didn't. I think Nathan Fowles had a bit of a mare in the end. In the second half, he was bloody well. Wo- yeah, yeah, it was, it was weird. In the first half, <laughs> weird one. Bringing the apocalypse. Um, and you wouldn't mind if Christie came in instead of him. For yes, example. exactly. Well, apparently, Charlie Shield came on, put a pretty decent shift, and he's been sent out with the he's sevens. Been punted away to the sevens, which I think it's just getting good game time for him, though. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather kind of. I suppose a risk playing him instead of someone like Nathan Fowles, but I mean, ultimately, you're. These are the games where Charlie Shield should be yeah. making his push. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's not ready yet. I don't know. You've got time. But, uh, but yeah. But I think he, he'd be disappointed being sent away, I think. I mean, it's like, whatever it is, eight or ten pointer against Treviso. Yeah. Like, it's huge. They've got to win it. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely massive. And it's down there where Treviso have been very, very good this yeah, season. Yeah, good side. Um, so that's at three o'clock on Saturday. And our oh, delicious Scottish rugby Italian double header. Edinburgh at Benetton at three. And then Glasgow at Zebra at quarter past five. So you can settle in on Saturday afternoon for an absolute belting there. I cannot wait to sell the misses that we've got back, back <laughs> to back Italy away games. More than just a derby. Yeah. Yeah, just be like, you sell it as like, I really want to do like you know, a special Italian day. I'll make you some pasta, yeah. some red wine. Settle in for Glasgow, Glasgow Zebra. Yeah. I mean, Straight to Tesco's. Microwaveable yeah. lasagna. Hey, New Iceland opened up. <laughs> yeah. that's where I'm at <laughs> um, well why don't we finish off with a couple of predictions for that then come on Matt can Edinburgh go to Benetton and do it um, yeah I, I actually I think they can um, I mean they'll hopefully have a few players back from Scotland duty yes um, uh, I think it'll be close I think Benetton are probably the favourites and they Benson and just sneak it unfortunately I suppose it's probably a battle of who which national team needs to preserve more players possibly because Benetton be Benetton are completely hollowed out by the yeah. Italian side yeah so beat Dragons 57-7 Dragons yeah. are yeah. Dragons are guff but like they're not that bad well Edinburgh can only beat them 34-17 at home couldn't they yeah but yeah I think it'd be tight be open the trees are a pretty open team mm. it'd be interesting to see kind of who dictates that game um go on Alan give us the give us the Scottish rugby betting double for the weekend then just to add a little bit of extra spice uh Edinburgh to win within seven Glasgow to win plus 30 plus 30 that's my shout Wow, get on to your favourite betting provider and come back to us with to that be fair, I was very close this weekend because I said that France were going to win by 10 yeah, Until you did. the 88th minute, I was actually correct. <laughs> well, why don't we put our money to where our mouth is? We'll put a fiver on that. All proceeds go to Doddy Weir from the Thistle. That's our best bet for the weekend. There you go. Sounds good. Done. Perfect. Right, guys, we'll come back to us um, next week and we will be previewing the Wales game and we will be hopefully donating lots of money to um, Doddy Weir Foundation. Keep following us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. 
on Instagram, thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And we love your emails. Get in there, the thistle rugby at gmail.com. Get onto the new Scotland rugby website and check out those menus. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. See ya.